Hey friend, I am so excited for this episode because I'm here with one of my good friends, Alyssa Glutz. She's an author, speaker, and founder of Color My Credit, a platform that helps you navigate the world of credit in a more practical way. Today, we're diving deep into all things credit, and she's sharing a lot of topics that we don't really talk about when it comes to credit scoring, and she's spilling a ton of insider secrets to help you know exactly what you need to do to build a solid credit score that helps you get better rates and ultimately can save you money on any of your big purchases. I can't wait for you to listen in because she's dropping tons of gems today, and I know you're going to get a lot of information to help you on your credit journey. Let's get started. Hey there, and welcome to the Saving Wiz podcast. I'm your host, Gina Zachariah. I'm a wife, mom of two, personal finance educator, and the OG Saving Wiz. I'm here to help you navigate this world of money so you can afford a life you love. Together, we'll break down dense money topics and translate them into easy-to-digest action steps so you can easily implement them into your life right after every episode. Grab your favorite drink and let's chat about money. Hey, Alyssa, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I am so excited to talk to you about all things credit. Thank you for letting me be here with you. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people want to know what got you into this field. I got in the business in 03. It was not my lifelong dream to be a loan officer. I grew up with one. My mom was a loan officer, single mama, uh, worked all around the clock. And I just started following her and watching her and realized sky's the limit, you know, as far as what you could do. And I really loved the aspect of being able to help people understand a complicated thing. I jumped right into it in 03 and I did well from the very beginning, built my business by referral. And then after 2012, after the crash and everything, I was teaching Financial Peace University and there was some stuff near the end that I kind of was like, no, I don't agree with that part as far as the credit goes. And I knew that that was right at a turning point in 2012, when credit score was going to start becoming extremely more expensive, a big, big part of your budget, kind of the 50% off card in life, the way that mortgages were starting to be priced based on your credit score in 2012. It wasn't really like that before. It was just pay your bills on time. So I just, I just started really seeing the only alternative to maximizing people's buying power was getting the credit up. And uh, so I started really diving into the mortgage specific credit scoring model and studying that. And that's what developed into um, the book. The book is called Color My Credit. But the book, the idea was like, why do we all have to feel that this is so complicated and overwhelming? After deconstructing the FICO algorithm, I thought we have to break down this report into something that makes more sense. So using crayons, kind of that nostalgic, bringing us back to kindergarten, reminding us that we can do anything. Good mindset to start out with when you're approaching something that's pretty complicated. So, yeah, I love the idea that you actually take something that is complex and something that really overwhelms a lot of people and you simplify it in a way that's attainable and someone can read the book and understand 100% what you're saying Yeah, layman's terms, which a lot of people don't do. They use a lot of jargon and a lot of heavy terms that people don't understand. And you really break it down in a way which I absolutely love. Um, Again, the book is called Color My Credit. It's about breaking down this big report into just the accounts that are going to impact the score so that we can build a game plan based on those accounts and making those accounts the best they can be. 
So when we're talking about basics, what factors actually affect your credit score and what should we be watching out for? In order to have above a 680 prior to 2012, you just had to pay your bills on time. Didn't really matter what credit card balance is shown. It was just pay your bills on time. And that would give you a 680. And you could walk up into any mortgage lender anywhere and just say, I have great credit. And they would give you the best there is. Then it became a little higher standard. It moved up to 800 in 2012. So the education behind getting your credit scores to move from 680 to 800 all play into each individual open revolving account credit card. That's where the details started coming in. It's not just having an open credit card that's essential. It's knowing what day they're going to report your balance and your limit. And that's all coordinated with the last day of your credit card statement. So these are things I was never taught to even look at my credit card statement. I never even looked at it because it would say statement balance, but that's the amount we should have watched because if we could go back to our last six credit card statements and look at the last day of the statement and see what balance did they put on the paper statement that got mailed to you. That was the balance and limit they sent up to the credit bureau. That was the one day of the mm. month they do it. And that's going to play a bigger impact on your credit scores these days than anything. But there's other things that factor in length of history, how long you've had credit open, how many inquiries you've had in the last couple of years. That mm -hmm. plays such a small role, but that's probably the number one thing people are always trying to go after to get rid of. Right. And I think a lot of that is just partly because you have a lot of the credit repair companies out there as part of their marketing. They're telling you things that they can do, like delete a judgment. So it makes you feel like those things are important. Or why would they be offering them to be removed if that wasn't going to be important? But they're not important. That's where the scam comes in is you start paying all this money. And you, yes, you do see things removed. Nothing changes with your score. And then you wonder what's going on. That's where I come in. So what would you consider a good, solid credit score? So if someone's looking at the credit score range, it, it, there's such a big gap between them. So what is considered a decent credit score where you're going to get good interest on a mortgage or in a right. car loan? The number one thing is before you actually can uh, get to the number that you need is knowing the score that you're looking at is it is the one. Okay. Because you've got 50 credit scores, every free credit score given to you right now is not going to be one that is going to be used for a mortgage or an auto or a credit card. It's, it's, it's more of a consumer score, just something educational. But if you want to get specific, if you want to buy a house, you got to go look at my FICO because they give you FICO 5, FICO 4, and FICO 2, which are the oldest industry models of FICO. The, the numerical middle score, if you have three scores and they say 658, uh, 705, and a 672, the middle number numerically is 675 out of those three. That's your mortgage score. The other two were thrown out. When the you say mortgage score, that's the score that mortgage lenders the would lender look at. To okay. buy a house. So and it's called my FICO. My FICO. Got my it. I didn't even realize that there is a difference between oh. auto and mortgage scores until right now. The specific will really help you because if you have a 580 or higher middle mortgage score, it's high enough to get you in the door to get you pre-approved for FHA. If your score was 620, the difference in the pricing could be a half a percent in the interest rate if you have a 580 versus a 620. 
So it behooves you to have to every 20 points higher than 580 is it, if you can get your score higher, then it's going to save you money on the interest. And then the mortgage insurance is tied to that credit score that you pay for a house. That's the biggest thing. So when I saw in 2012, what happened was the people that like, let's say you and I were both going to go buy a house for 250,000. We both are putting 5% down. We'd make the same amount. We're, we're coming up with the same amount of money. The only difference is that you have a 670 and I have a 740. The only difference with us is we both have two credit cards that we pay off in full every month, but you pay yours off a few days after the statement closes. So it always looks like you're maxed out on the card. It always looks mm -hmm. like you owe 900 out of a thousand, even though if you were just to move up the day you paid it, you would look like you owed 20 out of a thousand. Like, so like, it's like strategically me. making those payments so that the card company or the bureaus understand that they you aren't maxing it out. They put it in the record, but like they put it in the grade book at the end of the month. Wow. Whatever goes on that statement is going up to the credit bureau. That is going to demonstrate your financial discipline as of today. So by you, like you can manipulate literally your credit score by knowing the day the credit card's going to update, making sure that it's 10 or 20 bucks, something to show I ate one potato chip and then I was done, right? <laughs> And then that information goes up to the credit report, you're going to see your scores are generating higher numbers, all of them, you know, based on you looking more disciplined on your credit report on this money resume. Okay, that is so such a good tip. I don't think a lot yeah. of people know that it's really yeah. just based on the date. And how do you find out what yeah. the date is? Do you contact your credit card company or is it Here's the somewhere? Thing. Go on your website, go on your app. The very first video on my TikTok that I have pinned is an actual paper statement, me blowing up, showing you the due date, and then your statement closing date. The end of the billing cycle is always going to be about five or six days after the due date. But think about it this way. Every one of your credit cards has about you know, 30, 31 day billing cycle. Mm -hmm. The way that you utilize your cards so they work for you and you don't work for them is that you can spend in the spend zone. I use it for every single thing in my budget. So do so I. I travel for free, right? But on the due date, the bank account pays it off or they pay it down to $10, okay? Mm -hmm. Just something that leaves just a small balance on ideally two of your credit cards you've had open the longest, but that all of the credit cards you have get utilized. It's like they all are being used. They all have activity. They're all playing the game, but only two of them are showing like a 10 or $20 balance on that last day of your billing cycle. So when you go to the website or app, you'll be able to pull up your last statement and you're gonna look up in the dates and see what does this bank statement cover from this day to this day. The last day is the last day of your cycle for that company. So to get a visual, I will actually link your TikTok video yeah. that shows that. So whoever is listening and wants to see a visual of what that looks like, they can go straight to your TikTok video to yeah. see it. That's how Perfect. you really, I'll tell you what, you won't want to use the credit card for any other reason when you're first getting started, whether it's building credit or rebuilding credit, just get that credit card where the only thing it does every month is it has a $10, $20 charge, and then you pay it off every month. But it's just enough to show that you're playing the game, but that you're in super self-control. And that's the best way to drown out the bad with good quickly and show your discipline now. What would you say is a couple of steps that someone who's brand new to building their credit score, who doesn't really have any credit cards yet, 
what are their options for starting to build credit the right way? Because I, I want to make sure whoever is listening, if they have kids that are about to become adult kids that want to start creating a good credit report to have some steps that they can start taking now. I got a great example. My, my little brother's he's 35, but he has Asperger's syndrome. He's um, very functional, but he lives with my mom. When he was in his early twenties, he lived in an apartment. He skipped out before he was supposed to pay. And after a while, my mom just kind of said, forget it. Like his credit shot, he's going to pay cash for everything. Well, I kind of took him under my wing in March of 2020. Nothing more than getting him on a credit card and one self-lender. He got with OpenSkyCC.com. They're a secured credit card and there's no credit check whatsoever. They report to all three credit bureaus as if it was an unsecured card. You're putting 200 bucks up. They give you a credit card with a $200 limit. Your job is once a month to make one $10, 10 to $20 charge, pay it off. That's all he did. So he set up his little Netflix, one $10 charge, paid it off. One $10 charge, paid it off. The other um, account I had him do was self-lender, which is just, a, it's, it counts as an installment loan, which is another type of account you need to have a good mix of credit. Okay. You go to selflender.com. It's a little different because it's a $25 commitment monthly that you sign up and you give them permission to withdraw it from your account one time a month, 25 bucks. They report to all three credit bureaus as if it was a car loan but you made your $25 payment on time, okay? It, same weight in the score. And then at the end of the two-year term, you get your $540. So it was just money that was adding up, like layaway for your money. But all along the way, you're getting credit and you're not having to go in debt to have a good credit score. So what happened was I signed him up in March, 2020 for the credit card and the self-lender just to show and demonstrate that this works. I pulled his credit score last month, his mortgage specific score, um, and sent it up to my mom. And it was a 798. And That's my mom amazing. Was so if you're starting from scratch, so these are great ways for you to actually start establishing amazing credit without having to get into debt, which is a point that I also want to ask because a lot of people think that you have to be in debt in order right. for you to build credit. And I think that that's a little that backwards it right and there. it gets people in the wrong mindset yeah. when they're yeah. dealing with their credit. That example right there, my brother, Ryan, 798 credit score. He's not in debt. He has two accounts that are actually, they're working for him. He doesn't work for them. Uh, I tell him all the time. It's like, look, we're just running a fantasy football team. This is your fantasy football team. You got a quarterback and a running back. We're going to add one more credit card on for him. And then he's done. That is the entire deconstructed mortgage FICO algorithm is just two credit cards with a $10, $20 balance and one installment loan. Those three accounts, that's all you need. You don't need any more. You're basically creating this team of these three players that are demonstrating every month that the score can walk out and look at these three players and say, at this time in her life, she's demonstrating financial discipline. You can't just like pay all your credit cards off and then sit there and go, why didn't my score go up? It's right. an ongoing game because the next month their score walked out to the football field and looked around for all your players and they're gone because you paid off your car. You paid off everything. They have nothing to score. Your score drops. So people think that, you know, I, I, I just paid my car off. Why did my score drop? You retired a guy who'd been on your team for a long time. Yeah, that actually is a great segue to my next question because there are some things that I know that as consumers we do that are actually red flags to the credit bureaus 
when they're reporting. And that's one of them is to close out your account because then of course you lose a player and you lose a lot of the credit history that you had. Mm-hmm. What are some other things that you've seen that some people have done with the best of intentions, thinking that that's actually going to help their score, but it actually harms them instead. When uh, people are coming to buy a house with me and they call me and say, I went through and I paid off all my debt. And I'm like, no, because if you Mm -hmm. were to, let's say that you went down the list of a bunch of credit cards that were charged off, they still show on your account. In your head, you're thinking those have got to be the things holding me down. You're missing that you have two credit cards that you pay off every month but they're $300 limits and you don't know the last day of the statement yet. So what they're reporting every month is 280 out of 300. Like you're maximizing. So you go and look and go, oh, it must be the charge off. It must be this collection from five years ago. And you go and pay it. By paying a bad account you can't make good, they have to update the information on the credit report to be Mm. accurate. So it's gonna say zero and it's gonna move up the date of last activity to something that happened to you five years ago and make it look like it just happened because you just like brought it back up into the front where if you would have just took those two credit cards and got them updated, found out when they next report the balance and you made sure they were 10, you'd probably see a much more massive jump in the score than anything that you touched from five years ago. You've written the book, Mastering Your Credit and Score, One Crayon at a Time, and it has a ton more information on this subject. And I do want to bring you back on because I think debt collections is such an intriguing topic to talk about because it's something that is so complicated that often we don't know the ins and outs. So I'd love to have you come back on, but can you tell listeners where they can grab a copy of your book? And I'll link that in the show notes as well, but I would love them to know where they can get it because I think it's going to be incredibly helpful. Yes, thank you. So Amazon and barnesandnoble.com have it. You can just go to my website, color my credit, and it has it there and a lot of other good resources. And where is the best place for listeners to connect with you? Instagram uh, messenger, the fastest, it's best for my eyes. Also just color my credit at gmail.com. Thank you so much for being here today and really giving us such valuable information that a lot of times we do not get. And you're coming from a mortgage standpoint, which makes it even more powerful. I do come from, like I said, a very specific mortgage role that mortgage loan officers are the only ones that really can access the mortgage report and the industry scoring models. And so that's what the formula, like the cake recipe I'm teaching, it doesn't always drive what the one everyone else is teaching because they're teaching free scoring models. Sometimes I'm like, I'm making cake and they're like, but but she's making cake too. I'm like, but mine's chocolate. Okay, mine's chocolate. So anyway, mine has um, rich chocolate in it. Rich German chocolate. No. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. And I'm sure listeners are going to be thrilled with this episode because you're just dropping gems left and right. So yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. You're awesome. That's all for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you leave a review, I'll love you forever. Remember, today is yours. So make it count. I'll see you in the next one. Bye for now.